Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, May 4th, and it is time for the next episode of After Hours with Kevin and Lauren. Joining me right now, our very own FNTP, Lauren Hickson. Lauren, I know we really didn't uh, talk about doing it this way, but I didn't think you'd mind, so welcome. Thank you, Kevin. I do not mind at all. I'm excited about the show today. Yeah, I figured you you would, uh, wouldn't would mind jumping in and just answering some general questions, and then we'll get on to uh, our case for today. I'm excited about that. Uh, but let's just jump right in and grab some of these calls. Let's go to BC this time. Murray, welcome to the program. Hi, good morning, Kevin and Lauren. Good to talk to you both. Good morning. I, uh I call in all the time, Kevin. I'm beginning to wonder if this is going to turn into a steady diet here. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday was an awesome conversation. I played it. I played uh, a couple of segments there for Norma last night, and and she really uh, really enjoyed it. I think the pit's going to be an awesome segment. Good. Looking forward to that. Good. Thank you. I had fun we with that. We didn't, yeah. didn't get. We, uh, we didn't get a whole lot of politics and trucking yesterday but we did get a lot of politics <laughs> that's right you know and, and here's the thing um it, and it's part of why i've struggled you know it, it, on the live show on Sirius, i would open with politics almost only if it really involved trucking ab5 speed limiters elds things like that but honestly so much of politics especially today i wish it wasn't like this but so much of politics affects our everyday life and, and really our business. So in a sense, if we're talking about business especially, almost every political issue could have an impact on us. So I, I like the, the fact that I've separated it now. I know some people do not want to hear politics at all, no matter what it's about. But I also got a ton of feedback yesterday. A lot of people really enjoyed that show. And I'm glad. I enjoyed it. I had fun doing it. Yeah, it was it was a great show. I uh, and like I said, I listened to most of it a second time yesterday. I, I find that I'm doing that now with the app. I'm on the beta program. Uh, I, I discovered a couple of little glitches, but I'll deal with that with Aaron. Good. Uh, Good. We don't need to take up time for that. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, I love the app because you could do that. I can go back and listen to the show, and, and it's different when you hear it a second time, when you hear your own conversation, and you think, well, I should have said this, I should have said that, and then you make notes <laughs> and notebook for another conversation. Let me, <laughs> let me address that. Probably because should do that. I, I, you know, one of my goals in, in life and almost everything I do, I, I want to continue to improve. I mean, I, I just think that makes life interesting. It makes life better, even on simple things. I, I want to continue to improve. Um, my garden is a great example. Um, I'm excited about the garden. I've got new things going on this year, new stuff I want to try. I know if there's one, I don't know, I'll call it a weakness, I guess, a, a mistake I make, and I know it's there. I know I do it, and I have a really, really hard time breaking this but I know it would make me better if I did it more. And that is, I, I almost hate repetition. It, it makes me a little crazy. I always want to move on to the next thing. I want to read the next big book. Well, wait a minute, dummy. You didn't get everything you could have out of this book. 
But I always want to move on to the next book. And I'm not good at repetition. I'm not good at going back and listening to things. You know, when I, when I did a lot of speaking and I wanted to be better at speaking, I know one of the things I could have done that would have helped me a lot is just go back like you did. Just go back and listen to yourself. Listen to all the places where, boy, if I would have said that or if I would have added this, and yet I, I almost can't do it. I almost can't force myself to go back over stuff like that. So congratulations that you did. It really is a good practice. Um, you know, I think well, I'm it, pretty it, sure it was like- Anthony Robbins had a saying, and I, every time he said it, I would cringe because I knew I was really bad at it. And basically his saying was, repetition is the mother of all skill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a lawyer in his yellow pad. And, and the problem is when you're, when, when you're having a conversation like this one, it was really bad when you were on Sirius. And I, and I love the fact that you're away from Sirius and have so much more freedom. Um, but the, the thing about it is, is when you, when you have a conversation like this, you have time constraints and it's like, you want to keep it fresh and you want to keep it interesting. So the people listening don't tune out and go elsewhere but you also want to finish the conversation. And so, uh, it so often, and especially on the kind of conversations that we all have on, on, on this format with yourself and, and, and your guests, it's easy to go down a rabbit trail and then it's hard to come back from the rabbit trail and get back on point. And if, so if you go back and kind of listen to us like, Oh yeah, I needed to address this and I didn't get to that. And I needed to address this and didn't get to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing I think that makes it even more difficult for me because I don't like a lot of repetition. Unfortunately, what I do, talk radio, um, is very repetitive. It it just is. I get the same calls and questions over and over. So I have to repeat myself a lot. And I think that I, I just get kind of tired with it. I don't want to go over stuff again and again. I have to. It's part of what I do, but I should also do it more when I'm reading and researching and learning. I should be more disciplined and I should go back and go over that stuff again. The second and even sometimes third or fourth times you go through a book, you get things out of it that you just totally missed the first time. Well, absolutely. I'm going through William Davis's book, uh, Supergut, now for the fourth time on audio, and I keep picking up more information. It's so it, full of good it, stuff. It really is a good practice. Yeah. But anyway, that was a rabbit trail. That I didn't mean to go down either. <laughs> um, I wanted to make a quick comment. Two calls back, you had a fellow, you were talking about statins with a fella, um, with the caller, and, and, and you mentioned that People who take statins all cause mortalities go up. And, and it got me thinking, just a point, food for thought. In William Davis's book, he mentions that he has a number of testimonials of people who have, um, have had big psychological changes in their life because they're eating the yogurt. Yeah. And, and, and they've changed and rearranged their microbiome. It makes me wonder if taking statins puts you in a very dark place psychologically because you're killing off the microbiomes that create that. Good for thought. No, I, I, I absolutely think you're on the right track with that. You know, when I said, how could, you know, taking statins cause people to commit suicide more often? And you just hit it on the head. We've changed their, yeah. we've changed their brain chemistry through their gut. 
And we know that almost all drugs can be toxic to our gut bacteria, some worse than others. And, you know, if you... I normally have the news on kind of in the background throughout the day and I can, it's one of the few things that I can leave on. It doesn't really distract me. Um, And then I can kind of tune in if I hear something and I'll scroll through different channels. Um, But what you get, if you have the TV on all day long, you get an unbelievable dose of drug commercial after drug commercial after drug commercial. I am just shocked at how many damn drug commercials there are all day long and new drugs constantly. But here's a pattern I'm noticing. All of these drugs for mental health conditions, anxiety, depression, bipolar, all of these things. First off, when you hear the commercial for that drug, they make it sound like the best thing that ever happened. You're just going to be happy and carefree and all your troubles will go away. Except a couple hours later, you'll hear a commercial and that that commercial starts off by saying, are you still depressed even though you're on an antidepressant? Are you still suffering anxiety even though you're, well, you just need to add Cymbalta and you'll be fine. Everything. Well, wait a minute. You told me that about the first drug. And now it didn't work, but you're telling me we'll just add this drug. I think one of the biggest failures, and we have a lot of failures in our medical system and our pharmaceutical system, one of the big ones may be all of these mental health drugs. Now, here's how bad it's getting. You take the first drug as in, let's call it an antidepressive or an anti-anxiety. Those are the first two most common somebody's going to take, probably an SSRI. And... It seems to help a little in the beginning. That could be a lot of placebo effect. Um, But then after a while, it's not helping so much. These people are kind of just as miserable as they used to be. So let's add a second drug. What they don't tell you, you got to go dig through a lot of research. It seems to be that second drug that they add that creates this new condition called tardive dyskinesia. Here's Here's a medical condition that has one cause and one cause only the drugs you've already taken. It's not, it does, it's not a virus. It's not contagious. It's not a metabolic disease because of your diet. You got this condition only because you took these other drugs. Now we need to give you a third drug to try to stop your face from contorting while you're talking to people all day long. (laughs) When are we going to wake up and say, oh my God, this, this system sucks. We, we used to sit and watch TV and we poke fun at all the drug commercials. I and know. Say like, but you know, at the end, they have but the disclaimer with all the side effects. It's like, which is worse, having I, the malady or having the side effects? Well, you know, side effects used to be things like headache, nausea, drowsiness. Now they're things like cancer, leukemia, death, increased risk of suicide. Uh, right? Give me the disease instead. It sounds a whole lot better. <laughs> Well, I was listening to an ad yesterday for, and I think it was endocrine in pancreas insufficiency. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I have a note somewhere that one of these days I want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have IBS or this or this or this, this will fix it. Yeah, right. No, it won't fix it. It'll cover up the symptoms. Yep. Fix the problems. Eat right, yep. and all that goes away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Teach people that. Oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, I. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll uh, make the next one quick, which is the reason I called to begin with. Uh, 
making yogurt. Um, we've been Norman. I've been eating rye, gas rye, and coagulans, half cup each, for about a month now. Okay. A day. And I switched from inulin to potato starch recently, and, and I noticed that. Um, the last two batches I pulled off, I have a, a half gallon cookie jar or three quarter of a gallon cookie jar that I, that I use in the sous vide machine. Okay. Um, and then when I, when I transfer it, it's kind of difficult to dish up out of that. So when it's finished, I take it out of there and I put it in a flat jar. It's easy to store in the fridge or flat, yeah. you know, Tupperware container. Um, and I noticed when I took it out that on the bottom of the jar was a fairly, I wouldn't say thick, but hard layer of almost like concrete. And I'm wondering if it might be the potato starch separating out. I think so. That would be the most logical. That's the one thing you changed. And yes, if it separates out, then you're going to get a higher concentration. So that part's going to get a lot thicker. Um, Yeah, I I don't know what the solution would be because it's not like you want to go stirring it all the time. Right, and if it doesn't, I I guess the answer would be go back to the inulin. I've never tried the potato starch. Well, and the only reason I I tried it is because, like the Ruderi, in in his recipe, he says potato starch or inulin. And then in the the next one I did was gas or I, and it said potato starch or sugar. Well, I didn't have any potato starch, so I put sugar in. I made half-gallon batches, so that's four tablespoons of, of sugar. And and there is just the slightest hint of sweetness in that one. So there's obviously some sugar left behind. Right, right. But that one I can get. That one stays suspended and doesn't leave me any problem. But maybe so. Yeah, I just was I, wondering if anybody yeah. else yeah we can throw it out there and see if anybody like i said i actually have potato starch here i use it for other stuff but i've never tried the yogurt with it because the inulin seems to work really good once you get it mixed getting that inulin mixed in the beginning is a little rough sometimes but once you get it uh you know what i've started doing to mix what's that you know what i've started doing to mix it is i'll take a little bit of the half and half i have a, a stick blender with a kind of a beaker kind of a mixer thing that's just shaped and sized exactly for the, the yeah, stick blender. Right. And I'll put the, a little bit of half and half and, and my inulin or, or whatever kind of uh, fiber I'm using. And I'll, I'll blend that first and then add that's, the starter. Yeah. That's a good way Culture, to do it. Just yep. give it a quick little whiz and, yep. and then throw it into the milk and it works good. There and you'll go. find it if you're using sugar or inulin or whatever it, it, it emulsifies way better than yeah yeah so all right well good stuff thanks for the call let's uh oh lauren are you still with me yeah that was a long call. i'm here so uh, have you do you pay attention to the drug commercials on tv i do we always laugh at them <laughs> isn't it crazy i mean it's it i look at it, that and i think you know, and it, 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 there's there's this clear pattern they've always used that 
they're talking about one thing, but you are watching images that have nothing whatsoever to do with what they're talking about. The images are always just really happy people around campfires in the mountains or they're on the beach and everybody's having fun. But in the meantime, they're talking about, you know, tissue death and necrosis and body parts might fall off and you might be at an increased risk of suicide. But everybody in the commercial is happy and loving it. I know. It's so true. And they even fast forward it with like trying to squeeze in all of that (laughs) (laughs) into like a very short, you know, short bit. And you're like, whoa, they're talking so fast. I didn't even hear what they said. (laughs) You know, I, I, I tend to like read between the lines or watch between the lines and I look for certain things and and I've noticed this pattern and actually it's, it's pretty obvious. Um, But I actually find it almost kind of pathetic. Um, If you pay attention to the just overall in general, I'm not even going to pick out a specific drug commercial. There are a couple I could point out, but just in general, the commercials, the themes to them have changed a little bit in the last year. It used to be just anything happy in the background. Like I said, you're on the beach, you're in the mountains, you're on vacation, everybody's having fun. Now there seems to be this subtle shift and you got to kind of look for it, but it's definitely there. There's this new thing now where I'm not even sure the best way to describe it, but they're trying to make the people feel like they're really in charge and powerful. I mean, that that's like this new theme I'm starting to see. So there's this one commercial, oh, I forget what the drug is even for, but um, you see this woman and in the beginning, she's talking about how she was so debilitated from whatever disease it is she has that, you know, daily life was a struggle. But then the line is, but watch me now. And she's making a bologna sandwich. You know, it, it's white bread and a piece of blood. And, and boy, look at me now. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm in control. It, there, that seems to be the new theme now. Like, we'll take on your symptoms. Watch me. You know, it, and it's just kind of pathetic. I mean, it really is because it's the exact opposite of what happens when you become so dependent on all of these pharmaceuticals. Well, it's interesting because, you know, everyone that I've seen one of those commercials with, we all kind of sit around and, and kind of giggle at it because we're like, oh, wow, you really, these side effects are better than what they're, you know, the one symptom that they're dealing with. And so I, I really am very curious as to how effective those are, if at all, and what other people really think when they see those commercials, because it doesn't. It doesn't work for anyone I know, so yeah. Can't imagine it he, here's the crazy thing: those drug or those commercials are outrageously effective, and I'll tell you where you can find this out. If you have any friends that are doctors and still traditional doctors, just ask them how they feel about it. They hate it because now they have people that come into their office and say, "No, I want this drug." They're asking for drugs by name. They never used to do that. People used to go to the doctor and you wait for the doctor to tell you what. Now they make appointments and listen to the commercials. They tell you to do it. 
The commercial says, contact your doctor and ask him about this. And people do, and it makes the doctors crazy. Wow, I didn't even think of that. But I guess, though, I guess if people are so desperate, it's kind of their, you know, instead of dealing with the actual problem, it's just kind of like, okay, well, I can't handle it anymore. We'll do absolutely anything. And so, well, and, you know, and obviously, you know. Yeah, here's the other thing, and I, we, we all kind of fall victim to this. If you ask most people, if you ask me, are you, are you coerced or are you affected or um, by marketing in general? Most of us like to say no. Oh, no, I saw that commercial, but that, that commercial would never go make me buy a Chevy or, or whatever it happens to be. Or, no, I saw that, but, I, you know, I'm not going to go get a Big Mac just because of that commercial. But we're fooling ourselves. Marketing mm-hmm. is extremely powerful, and we don't even realize how most of marketing is working in our subconscious. We might look at that and go, oh, yeah, I, I don't eat Big Macs, even though I watch that commercial. Yeah, that might not be. But anybody who really tries to convince themselves that they're not affected or influenced by marketing, we all are. Uh, I'd like to think that Absolutely. I'm not as influenced as other people. And, and maybe I'm not because I'm paying attention, but I'm still influenced. And we are surrounded by marketing and marketing for drugs is extremely powerful. And there are people that go, oh, no, yeah, that's exactly the problem I've been having. And they call up their doctor, make an appointment. They want that drug. Wow. But you're right about marketing being the factor because I was walking the beach the other day and, you know, every once in a while I'll see a little trash, so I'll pick it up. And I barely could make out what this wrapper was. And I heard myself say out aloud to someone else, Oh, it's a Slim Jim wrapper. And I, and I had no idea. I leaned over to grab it and it was so tiny. They must make Slim Jims like, <laughs> like it, it, it's unbelievable. Like it was so like the size of like a toothpick. It, right. And I'm like, there's no way this could be a Slim Jim. And it sure was. And I just so, knew it from the design of the wrapper, the coloring. And then in my mind, I said, step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> so you're right. Work, work, even if you don't care about the product. <laughs> that's, that's right. And we are on, there are only two countries in the world that allow drugs to be direct marketed to consumers, the United States and New Zealand. Nobody else allows it. Wow. I didn't realize that, that we were only one of two. Two in the world that... that Several years back, there was three. I think Brazil or one of the South American countries used to allow it, and they banned it. We really should. I, I'm not big on a lot of government regulations. I believe in a free market. The problem is our pharmaceutical industry is not a free market. Our pharmaceutical industry is so closely tied to the government agencies that are supposed to regulate it, like the FDA, that the executives move back and forth constantly. This year, they're an executive at a pharmaceutical company. Next year, they're the head of the FDA. Making rules for the pharmaceutical company they still own stock in. I mean, it is a horribly corrupt system. So it's not... I have noticed Yeah, it's not a free market. So because of that, I would rather see the government step in at this point and say, no, you can't advertise drugs. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Really interesting. 
but I'm not sure what would happen so, to our media if we stopped advertising drugs because it is billions and billions of dollars. The, the pharmaceutical company is one of the biggest advertisers on the planet in our country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the majority of the commercials I see nowadays, and I, I barely watch anything with commercials, but that, <laughs> those are the majority of the commercials I see. It's insane. I, it's really, I wonder if I anybody know, else know. notices that. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder as well. It's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, boy, a lot to talk about. Let's grab a call. Let's go to Missouri. Clifford, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Not too much. I haven't talked to you in a long time, uh, but I had a question. Now, I don't know, three years ago, I guess it was, I started your keto diet. I lost 100 pounds in a year, and I pretty much maintained that. Now, last year, I retired from trucking over the road and and went to brokering freight and working uh, my own mental health practice, um, and I'm still riding for overdrive, but uh, I, I switched to a paleo diet. Okay. And in that process, I've gained a pound in a year. Which is not a great deal. Okay. I could gain a pound in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for like the last couple of months, I've been experiencing something that's kind of got me a little concerned. And I'm concerned to the point that I think I may actually go see a doctor, and I hate going to a doctor. I've been to a doctor three times in the last six years, and that was for my DOT physical. There you go. Yeah, I agree. So I hate going to doctors, um, but I'm, I don't really get a lot of exercise because I'm either on the phone all day with customers, right. or I'm on the phone or on the computer all night with school. Um, so I really don't get up and do a lot of exercises except for taking the dogs out for a walk. Um, but I'm sitting, and, I'm, and I, I am hypoglycemic. I've been all my life. Okay. Um, but I'm sitting in my chair, and for some unforeseen reason, I get a dizzy spell. Just sitting still. Uh, and Okay. How long has it been going on? A couple of months now. Okay. One of the first things we want to rule out, we want to look at physiological symptoms we can rule out pretty easy. So one of the first things, and I think any doctor would check this too because it's pretty common, you look for any sort of an inner ear problem. That's one of the more common physiological issues, even a clogged ear canal, um, a little bit of an infection in an ear canal that can cause dizziness, vertigo, things like that. So you want to rule that one out first because it's, it's fairly simple to, right. to rule out. Uh, after that, um, do you check your own blood pressure? No, I, okay. I don't think I, I would start. Like I said, the only time I do is, is at the doctor. Now, I, 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 do would, I, I would start. I would. You can buy a, a good blood pressure cuff for 30 or 40 bucks. Uh, Omron is my favorite brand, O-M-R-O-N. I have one that's probably eight years old. I still use it all the time. Uh, and I have some newer wireless Bluetooth. I, I still like my old Omron. They're 30 or 40 bucks. Uh, you pick them up at just about any Walmart, any pharmacy. Um, start checking your own. 
we're looking for a low number is actually what we're looking for. I'm not worried about high blood pressure. I'm wondering if you have low blood pressure. And then the okay. other thing we could look at, and based on what you just told me, uh, a life that is so full and so busy and you're jumping from one thing to another over and over that you don't have enough time to exercise, and I know what that's like, um, that also tells me you're under a lot of stress. No matter how much you enjoy this, no matter how much you want to do it, being that busy and with different things so your mind has to keep adjusting from one thing to another um, can create a lot of stress. One of the things I would recommend, have you ever taken a Nutri-Q? Uh, yeah. I go back and take time. another one. Yeah, I take go, one. Go take another okay. one. I have a feeling something will jump yeah. out in there and tell us this may be stress-related. What happens, your adrenals get weak. And, and there's more to this than adrenals. We talk about the, the axis, the pituitary thyroid adrenal axis. But for the most part, we can kind of bring it down to weak adrenals. If you, if you know somebody who has a stethoscope and knows how to take, and a, and a blood pressure cuff and knows how to take it manually, we can test for this. And, and what we do is we have you lay down. Normally, you're sitting when we take your blood pressure. This one, we have you lay down. Um, we put the blood pressure cuff on, you check both numbers, top and bottom. And then with the cuff still on and the practitioner holding the stethoscope on your arm, we have you stand up from a laying down position pretty quickly. And the practitioner immediately takes the blood pressure again. And what we're looking for is we actually want to see your blood pressure jump when you stand up. And if you've got weak okay. adrenals, you'll see it either stay the same or go down. And that's an indicator that your adrenals aren't reacting as quickly and as strongly as they should. Their job is to raise your blood pressure at that point so you don't get dizzy. Now, it may be happening when you're just sitting still. That can still happen. There's also a test we can do with a, a pen light in your eyes. We can watch how your eyes react to the light, and that can tell us something about adrenals. A, a traditional doctor, you're not going to get any answers on this unless they find that it is oh. something like an inner ear infection, and then they'll give you antibiotics. And yeah. But um, if it's uh, anything it's other than that, you, you'll probably get no answers from them. Okay. Well, I, and I can address the Well, like one thing I'm, um, I think I'm going to do, is eliminate potatoes. Since I went paleo, I have introduced more potatoes into my diet. Okay. And I'm going to eliminate potatoes and see if that makes any effect. Um, also, I thought when you said check the inner ear, I, I guess I could do a cleaning, uh, get a solution over the counter and, and do a cleaning and see if, you know, if I have clogged ears or anything like that. Uh, clean that out. Um, I think just hydro... Uh, uh, hydroperoxide and warm water would do it. Yeah. And it out pretty well, so. here's the other thing. Even if you don't have a lot of time to go through, you know, the full stress protocol I talked about, if you could add uh -huh. just two of them right now and right. one of them is not going to take hardly any more time out of your day. The other one may take 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, I would start in stress. Yeah, I, I would stress start your day. 
you know, it, I'm, I'm almost positive it's going to come back to stress. Um, I would, yeah, I, I would add the I'm Wim Hof breathing. Four, right. four rounds of Wim Hof breathing in the morning, and I would do the cold shower at the end. Those two things okay. don't take a lot of time. You might be surprised at how powerful they'll be for this. Yeah, well, and I am I am writing my dissertation. I just finished a class. That's a lot of stress. Uh, industrial organizational and, and uh, um, uh, human resources and how they interact because uh, I'll need to know that if I'm going to work with companies and human resource departments. Yep. There's a lot of rules for human resources. Good Lord. <laughs> there is. And by the way, before I forget, um, your, art, your most recent article in Overdrive was awesome, by the way. I encourage people to go Thank look you. that up. It was a great article. Thank you. I'm waiting. I'm hoping this next one that gets published will will get good response as well. It's it's actually a cue off of you. Why are we so afraid to ask why? There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was a, very well written. I encourage people to go read it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, I, I awesome that you were on ser- on your your. I hated that you were off the of serious. I, I I tried to smack a hand, but I don't know if it did any good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, 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 I, I I tried to call him on the carpet because I thought it was kind of ridiculous they did what they did and still keep people like Howard Stern on the air. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm thrilled that you're on the internet. And you got your own thing going. I knew you'd bounce back pretty quick so we're I'm just grateful that we're excited about it still- every now and then you need that push sometimes you know I, I as, yeah, as much of a, what's, what's needed yeah as much of a risk taker as I can be in business sometimes I get a little too conservative and I take the safe route and you know a couple times over the last couple of years when my contract came up I looked at it and thought you know you don't have to resign this you could go on and do something else. Yeah, and well, then, but I, I'd always get a little cautious and say, boy, you know, took you a long time to get this gig. Um, you know, there's not a lot of these <laughs> around. Maybe you should just try it another year. So I, I, I was getting a little over cautious sometimes. It, it, every now and then you need a push. So I'm glad I got pushed. Yeah, well, maybe it was a good Lord's way of getting you out of your routine. I think so. Yeah, out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I think so. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, you know, all good things happen. There you go. Yep. All right. Thanks for the call. Great stuff. Congratulations. I do think you're going to find a lot of this does kind of come down to stress. And Lauren, I'd love to have you jump in here on this one. Um, I know when I was doing the one-on-ones, this started to become a pretty clear pattern to me. People who had been doing the right thing for years had great results, and all of a sudden they were getting different results. Are, are you still seeing a lot of that? Yeah, yes, definitely. From time to time, you do see people. It's hard because you want to believe that they are doing everything, but you can you can tell. Some people, you just know it because they kind of beat themselves up because they can't figure it out, and they're doing all the right stuff. So... Sometimes, you know, you wonder, okay, well, maybe they're not seeing it. So if they kept a food journal, then maybe something will reveal itself. But you can definitely tell the ones that are on the right track. We're doing everything right, but they're still, they still have something that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and it seems to me like uh, we clearly know our world became much more stressful in the last couple of years. 
Um, we're we're divided um, yeah. as a country. We argue about everything. The news always seems to be negative. We're going through things we never thought we would experience, and stress is one of those things that's really hard to put your finger on. I, a, a lot of people don't understand when they're stressed they think they know when they are when they're not and it's really hard to tell and i've put so much focus on it for this last year and tested so many different things that i'm pretty convinced i mean it's it's the first thing when somebody tells me about the results now i immediately go to stress and i'm 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 sure we're on the right track. And one more thing I I do want to address on this topic while we're talking about it. I'm seeing a lot of people using the Garmin watch, which I love. They're looking at things like that instant stress level, which I love, and they're watching their body battery. And the body battery tells us how we're recovering. Um, Do you have the energy to really put out a good day work today, whether it's mental or physical or both? And people are finding that even after sleeping six, seven, eight hours, even getting a good sleep score sometimes, their body battery did not recover at all. Like it might have been under 10. It might have been five when they went to bed and they wake up and it's still five. And they say, but how can that be? My sleep score says I had a good night of sleep. Well, there's still a lot we don't know about sleep. Sleep scores are nice. They're not the end all be all. Sometimes I don't even understand how they work, but I do know that the body battery is a pretty damn accurate assessment of how you really feel. When you wake up and your body battery's five, you know it. You don't feel good. You don't feel like going out and taking on the day. And I I have some people who are saying it's been like this for a week or two. And I do I'm doing everything I can to avoid stress. Yeah, the one thing I've learned about this, you can't just avoid stress. Here's the best analogy I have. Um, Lauren, if you wanted to run a marathon, that, that's your goal. You want to go run a marathon. Would you avoid all exercise? No, definitely that, not. <laughs> that would be a really bad approach, wouldn't it? And then if you, if you did avoid all exercise as part of your training to run a marathon and you show up on the day of the marathon and you start running, are your results going to be very good? I mean, okay. So, so basically in my opinion is you want to kind of practice whatever you want to accomplish and then you rest up prior to it so that you have that boosted energy. Perfect. Yep. That's exactly it. You, you can't avoid running if you want to run a marathon. You've got to go run, and you have to do it in a very specific way. If I want to run a marathon, am I going to go out every day and just do wind sprints? No, I, I would get good at sprinting, but I'm not going to get very good at running for 26.2 miles like that. So stress, yeah, you it want to turns build your out, endurance. Yeah, stress, it turns out, is the same way. And I actually say we we should refer to it as a stress muscle. And we need to strengthen that muscle so that we could handle the marathon. And the marathon is all of the stress that's in our life every day. You can try to avoid it. And if you can avoid it long enough, if you can go on vacation for two weeks and lay on the beach um, and not get trashed every day, you'll probably recover. 
your body battery will be nice and strong at the end. The first day you go back to work, it's going to tank, and then you're going to wonder why you can't get it back again. It's because you, you have no strength in that muscle. You have no endurance in your stress muscle. So all of these protocols I talked about, the breathing, the cold exposure, the infrared saunas, the X3 bar workouts, all of those things build your stress muscle. So now when you're exposed to these high levels of stress, your body handles it just like your muscles would be able to handle running a marathon or bench pressing 300 pounds six times because you've trained it to be able to do that. But we've just never looked at stress that way. True. We haven't. And that's, and that's what works. And now we know because we've had to deal with so many people who are under so much stress that we had to come up with a solution. And that's where we are. All right. We've got one more call. And then, uh, Lauren, you and I are going to move on with after hours. Let's, uh, let's go to Connecticut. Randy, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Boy, I tell you, listening to your show really fires off my ADHD. <laughs> Every topic that you're discussing sends me off on a tangent, and good God. But I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay on topic for the reason I called. Good, good. <laughs> okay, beat Kavas. Yes. Is, that stri- is Kavas strictly for beats? And this is going to be a multi-layered question. So, Kavas, is that strictly for beets, or is that the juice for all fermented veggies? I'm not Can sure. Can we say that it's pickle kvass or That's asparagus kvass? Or- I've actually used the term with other foods. I'm not sure if I'm correct or not. I think I said one time I made ginger kvass. Okay, well, that's fine. And as long as we're on the same page, let's just call all fermented juice kvass. Yeah, I mean, you can now. also refer to it as the <laughs> brine, but I, I don't I don't think yeah, that kvass yeah. is solely beets, but I, I could be wrong. But you know what? Um, we can, we can make our own rules sometimes. Right, right. Okay. (laughs) So we were cleaning out the fridge and looking for some extra jars and pulled out a, a gallon jug of, of some fermented pickles that we had that there were only a couple left in and another jar full of fermented asparagus and garlic scapes that we just didn't like. Um, and so we pulled those out and saved the kvass. And I noticed that the, the pickle brine was very tasty, very enjoyable. The asparagus garlic scape kvass was salty with no tang. And, you know, in taking a bite of the asparagus and the garlic scapes, everything was still really firm. And we came to the conclusion that we just, it just didn't ferment long enough before we put it in the fridge. And then that brought up the second layer to this question, and that is, when you ferment your veggies, you're fermenting to the time when your veggies are at the texture and consistency that you want. Correct. You know, when your pickles are at the level that you want, that's when you put them into the fridge. Yes. But is that the best time to put it to, if you're, if you're not focused on the veggies, if you're focused on the brine, is that the best time to put it in the fridge or are you better off leaving no. it on the counter to the detriment of the veggies just so that you get a better brine. My my guess would be if we knew how to measure there's a there's going to be a maximum amount of bacteria that be, can be created in this jar. And it's going to happen right 
when the bacteria have consumed all of the available food. But then I also start to wonder, well, if all the food's gone, what keeps the bacteria alive then? Does my bacteria actually start to die off at some point? It would seem logical that it would. would. I think it would. All other other ferments do, yes. So I believe it would. So Um, how do we we find the maximum? Like, so we want it to get to this point where all of the food or almost all of the food for the bacteria has been consumed. At that point, we should have the maximum bacterial count, but we would also want to eat it all right then, right? If we were trying to get the maximum benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or if, but at that point, your veggies are so mushy that you don't want to eat them. Right, but you, so, like you said, you like could still uh, still drink the brine or the kvass. You could, you could. And could you keep that brine alive by straining out the dead veggies and inserting new veggies and just keep it, use it like a starter, just like you would make your yogurt? I believe so, and a lot of people do that. I do it on and off. Sometimes I'll just start with the new brine. Sometimes I'll say, oh, boy, look, I like today, I have a whole bunch of asparagus coming up in my garden. Um, I'll probably eat some on from the grill for lunch, but I'll probably throw a bunch in a jar. And if I'm in a hurry, I'll grab one of my other ferments that's almost gone, and I'll just pour that brine in and start with that. I, I've done it many times, and it yeah, seems to yeah. work great. Right. Okay, so now here's another question, and I've asked this of other people, and I get glassy-eyed looks because nobody has even the first clue what I'm talking about. When you are fermenting your veggies, do we know what level of nutrients and anti-nutrients are we leaching out of those veggies? Are we all, are we leaching out the oxalates? Are we leaching out the lectins or is this a, you know, I would, I would hate to ferment something and have a glass full of oxalate laden brine. So the reason you're not, getting a definitive answer is because without a lot of testing we won't have a definitive answer there's too right. many variables that's, that's the problem this is, a, but, this is a question that is above our pay grade but we can speak in generalities with, without saying all of the lec- lectins are gone after this process we know that some lectins are we know that phytates, um, we can remove phytates by soaking and pressure cooking beans. So we do know, and we do know that fermentation usually minimizes at least. It, it does get rid of some of these things. We don't know how much, and you would, you would literally have to test every batch to know, and then maybe you could come up with averages, but there, there's just way too many variables here. So I, I, when, when we have a question like this, I kind of fall back to just common sense. Um, every culture right. on the planet, yeah, every culture on the planet fermented foods. Are, if nothing else, we we evolved eating fermented foods. So I, I'd rather just go back to that, even if I can't answer all the questions. Now, here's the other thing. I do know that I'm sensitive to oxalates. Phytates and lectins don't seem to bother me all that much, but oxalates do. So for me, I will tend to stay away from the vegetables that are higher in oxalates, even if I'm going to ferment them. 
There are plenty of vegetables I can eat that don't have a lot of oxalates. So if you've identified one of these things that you know you're more sensitive to, then I would say, well, maybe we just avoid those. Right, right. And actually, you know, for me, I just, I, I don't know if I'm an enigma or what, but it doesn't seem as though, even from the days when I was on my standard American diet to now, I don't have any... I don't have any ill-sided effects from then to now. You know, I've done an elimination diet. It's all been out of my own curiosity, my own scientific studies on myself. I don't see where I am negatively affected by anything. And that's... On that's, the outside. That's the, yeah. That's, that, and that's, that's great, except that I don't have any information. You know, I, I don't see anything outwardly that affects me. It's the stuff that I can't see that I don't see that concerns me. I, I, you know, I have that thought once in a while too. And, I, you know, I, I don't dwell on it too often. Um, you know, we can go test for things like C-reactive protein, which is a good measure of, you know, system-wide inflammation. My number keeps coming back really, really low. So I, I kind of have to believe if, you know, I can keep my inflammation this low, that's one, it's just one marker, but it's a good marker. My blood sugar's under control. I don't have joint pain. I don't have any digestive issues. For the mo- I have good energy levels. My mental health and clarity seems good. You know, if you just look at everything like that overall and all of your results are good, I have a hard time believing there's anything all that bad going on that we don't know about. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I tell you, we, um, so I've, the one thing that I do notice and I can still, and I can measure the inflammation in my body by how my hands feel. Yeah. If I, if I go heavy on carbohydrates, a couple days later, my hands will ache. And a couple of days later, they will feel just fine once those carbohydrates have exited. For a lot of I, people, I've, I've gone, the, the hands seem to be the canary in the coal mine. For a lot of people, it's yep, one of yep. the first indicators that we've probably allowed something into our diet that we shouldn't when our hands start aching. Yep. Yep, yep. Now, I'll say, so <laughs> my girl got on a einkorn kick and a sourdough bread kick and she went down deep down the bunny rabbit hole for making <laughs> sourdough einkorn okay <laughs> yep and you know what i haven't had bread of indian since i first started listening to you and first went keto and ndk i have not had bread or grains of any kind and it's been almost three years now okay she made this einkorn bread and you know it just as much as it went it against what we know and what we think. You just can't turn up your nose in a loaf of that fresh bread. <laughs> I know, it's pretty tough. Yeah. And so we partook in it, and it was probably the best stinking bread you could ask for. It was sour, it was tangy, it was nutty, it was earthy and hearty, and we ate way more of it than we should have. And then out of curiosity, about an hour later, we tested our blood sugar. Neither one of us were above 110. Okay. Both of, both of us came back down to below 90 within another hour. There was no blood sugar spike that was even really measurable. And 
the next day, two days later, three days later, I didn't have any discomfort in my hands. Okay. So that doesn't mean that I'm going to go off and go all, all, all whole hog on einkorn flour, but it was really just kind of a curiosity. You know, how much, it, how much of the, this is not a human food is because of this is not a human way of preparing it. And there are a couple other factors here. And sometimes I almost hesitate to talk about this because I don't want too many people <laughs> going down this rabbit hole. But the right, way you right. did it, it makes sense. And you know what? If you eat this once in a while and you really enjoy it and you don't get the negative side effects, then, then why not? I have and made up my mind four times a day. Yeah, I've made up my mind that I'm just not even going to go down that road. I, I, I got to the point where I don't miss bread anymore. It doesn't tempt me anymore. I don't exactly. want to go through all yep. that trouble yep. of finding the flour, soaking, sprouting, fermenting to, to have a piece <laughs> exactly, of bread. Exactly. But but it, I, I, it, I, I think what you did things. is is fine. Like I said, I, I ice cream. Is, is the one I kind of throw the rules out the window because I love ice cream. So if you really uh-huh. like this and you, you tested it the right way, and we could go through all kinds of reasons why. Um, the grain itself, much lower in gluten than today's wheat by far. Um, it's a more natural, well, not, hey. not, you know, it hasn't been hybridized to, to be high in gluten and gliadin and these other things like today's wheat because it's processed right. Yeah, the right way found. and fermented. Yeah. You remove a lot of those issues. Um, there's no glyphosate in there like almost every you know wheat exactly. flour. So yep. you, you look at all those things overall and the fact that you're no longer eating the standard American diet. So this is a very, very small dose of this. Yeah, I could see why somebody could eat this and say, well, I feel fine. I'm going to do this once in a while. Well, there's another important factor, guys, that that we're missing here. It's what you eat it with as well. When you did this test, what did you have the bread with? I'm just curious. Oh, it was a wonderful conveyor of a big old slather of butter. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So just bread and butter. Cherry cherry gold to to be direct. Yeah. There you go. Right. Because um, I follow I follow people who um who, you know, keep on a continuous glucose monitor and they test their glucose eating, you know, things that would typically trigger it and, you know, make it rise quite you know, quite high. And she'll do things that, you know, she'll eat, you know, just a piece of toast and then compare it to eating a toast with avocado, like smashed avocado. And her glucose hardly spikes when she eats it that way. Or it's, it's the order that you eat it. So it's what you're eating it with and the order that you eat it. So she's, you know, revealing her scores and saying she, she went to, you know, a, an Italian restaurant. And trust me, I'm not recommending this to many people at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I find it quite fascinating that she will go to, a, you know, an Italian restaurant and she'll start her meal with a, a large salad and then she'll follow it with eating of some kind of protein and then eat her pasta or bread or whatever else, you know, super high in carbs. And it hardly triggers her glucose because it's not the first thing going in her system. So it's, it's really fascinating. And I follow it a lot because I'm intrigued by it and I don't, I don't, you know, use a, a monitor myself. 
on a regular basis, but it's pretty neat to see. Well, yeah. it's something we need to emphasize, I guess, for everybody else, there, else out there listening, that this is sourdough einkorn. Does, you know, that once in a while does not equate to, well, it's okay to have a hamburger bun once in a while, too. It, well, because right. Two totally different animals. Yeah, one's heavily processed with high fructose corn syrup, and it's loaded with glyphosate and, you know, all kinds of other crap. So you're right there. And here's one of the other things I would say is on this show, one of the things I try not to do is overwhelm people. And if you start talking about, well, beans are okay if you do this, you soak them, you sprout them, you pressure cook them, and bread's okay if we start with this specific flour, and we, that will get overwhelming really, really fast. And that's when people start to get confused. I love the fact that when people are on this journey and they get to a certain point and they start experimenting on their own. And they do some of their own biohacking. If you're into that, absolutely. We'll all learn from that. But the theme of this show will always be, let's keep it as simple as possible. And it's a big reason why you hear us use the word carnivore so much. It's just simple. It's very, very effective. It works and it's simple. Because people will get overwhelmed with food and diet advice in a heartbeat because we've been surrounded by it our whole life and most of it has been wrong. And now people are just confused. And who do they believe? So I want to make sure the advice we give gets people results. Now, once you see those results, if you want to go off and experiment on your own stuff, absolutely, go do it. But I, I want to make sure what we're talking about most of the time here gets people results without a lot of confusion. Right, right. Now, can I, you know, in an earlier caller, you had, I forget what the what it was even about, but you were talking about the, oh, just the simple basics of keto and blood sugar and whatnot. And I remember very early on when I first started listening to you and was first starting to learn about keto and blood sugar and diabetes and all that stuff. You were still in phases of your show where you were talking about the very basics pretty continuously, you know, and a lot of callers that would call in were just learning the basics and that's what you were reiterating over and over and over again. And then as you evolved and as we evolved, you know, the topics kind of got away from that and got more, a little more advanced. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would recommend, and it would be good, and I've, I've struggled with it too because I've wanted to send people to people or people ask me, and I want to send them to you and let them hear you say it, but your shows don't talk about that anymore, not specifically. So I was wondering, is there any way that you could put together a little 20-minute, 30-minute spiel that just talks about the very introduction aspects of metabolism and food and diet and blood sugar and diabetes and insulin and all those very entry-level basic stuff into one spot where somebody that's new can just go click the button and hear the basics. Yes, we can. In fact, um, Lauren, would you like to do that with Mm -hmm. me? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so here's the way I think we should do it. I I almost did this this week, but I'm glad I didn't because I knew we had way too much material for me to pile on more this week. Um, I want to go back and I want to do a book review of 
um, the Diabetes Code, Jason Fung. After all the books I've read, I think that one's probably the best. I love the way it's written. It's easy to understand. So, Lauren, why don't you and I do – have you read that book, Lauren? I have. Okay, good. So, why don't you and I – yeah, why don't you and I go back and review that book and then schedule a time where we just get together and we do a show. Maybe it'll be 30 minutes. Maybe it'll be an hour and a half. I don't know. And we'll really kind of outline that book because that's what that book does. It gives you a really, really clear understanding of what happens when sugar enters the body um, from start to finish. So I, I think that would be a good project for us to work on together. That sounds great. And I agree sometimes that information gets a little lost because everyone that, you know, seems to follow is, you know, already knows a lot of that information already from listening to you, Kevin, for so long. So that that's a great, um, you know, that's yeah, something really it, nice to provide. Yeah, and it is always a challenge. And when I was on Sirius and we had limited number of hours, you, you always try to balance it between, I know I need to be repetitive. I know there are new listeners that need to hear the basics, but I also don't want to chase away the old listeners who have heard that already 37 times. Um, so there's right. always trying to find that balance. Well, now because now we can build libraries of topics and nothing ever has to disappear. You can go, so your idea is an awesome one. Let's focus on some of those basics. Let's explain the whole process all at once so you really get to understand it. And we certainly couldn't do that every day or every week or even every month. It would get very repetitive and take up too much time. But now... We record it once, it goes into the library, and you or me or Lauren or anybody can say, oh, yeah, if you want to understand that, just go listen to this show. Now that you're, yeah, and now that you've got a website and you're on your own platform that nobody else is going to interrupt. Yeah, now we can do that. So I I, I love that idea. Yeah, I can can send anybody to it. I can can send send your information to anybody out there, and I say, here, listen to this guy. Yeah. Yep. And listen to this show, this episode, this, yeah. Listen to this guy, listen to this show. Yes, absolutely. No, I love that idea. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's a powerful tool for sharing. Good. Good. We will, uh, yep. We will work on that. And like I said, it fits right in. um, Well, Lauren, I'll throw this out to you now. Um, One of the shows I want to add is a book review show. Um, I did the statin show where I reviewed the book and talked about statins in general. You know, I'd love to do the diabetes code, the obesity code. There's so many good books, even stuff we've already read and talked about. But again, now that we have this ability on our own platform to record these shows, keep them organized, make them easy to find. um, Anytime you have time and you want to jump in with me on a book review, I think that would make a much better show. I think two people, you know, different points of view, like we just talked about. You can listen to the same or read the same book three or four times you pick up new stuff. Well, two people reading the same book pick up different things. So if you'd Mm -hmm. like to be a part of that, I'd love to do those book reviews with you. Let's do it. That Perfect. sounds great. Perfect. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump into our case for the week. Um, first off, why don't you kind of just give us another quick rundown? I know we did it a little bit last week. Um, 
the process, the NutriQ, the discovery call, the plan after the discovery call, the one-on-ones, just kind of give us the, the big picture of how that all works. Absolutely. So, all right, to start, basically, give me just a second here, actually, because I, I had an outline of it last week, which is so much easier. <laughs> but, um, so, basically, the discovery call is a free 10-minute um, high-level review of um, whoever's calling in. We, we talk about different things. We, we talk about um, your main concerns. So, you give us your concerns. You fill out... Um, an, an initial, um, you know, client uh, form that gives us all this information on what's going on and gives us a pretty good picture of what's going on with your health and your um, food habits and lifestyle habits. Then you fill out a NutriQ, which is about 300 questions, um, mostly relating to symptoms that you're feeling. And that gives us a really detailed view of your current health um, situation and where you stand. Um, part of the information that we gather as well as medication and supplements. So we're able to kind of, you know, piece it all together from there. I review all these pieces of information and start taking notes. And I really take anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a little longer, um, preparing for the call. And then we have a 10 minute call and we end up giving you a protocol to start, which usually is recommended for the next month, um, and hope that you can kind of handle your initial issues, your initial symptoms that, that we discussed. So typically it does start out that we're working on diet and digestion yes. because those are the foundations. And if we don't deal with those first, then we can't really deal with the rest of, you know, the rest of the stuff. So that's kind of in a nutshell what the discovery call is all about. Yeah, and and you know, I sometimes I think when we say it's a free ten minute discovery call, it in a lot of people's minds, it, it might minimize this. And I, I think we should explain how powerful this really is. Uh, first off, I, I've mentioned it before. Uh, I think the NutriCure is a- absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think it's just an incredibly powerful tool for really figuring out what somebody's health issues are, and they don't have to leave their home. They don't have to give blood. They, and yet, it is really powerful. You experience it all the time. You look at this NutriQ, and you look at somebody, you go, I know what's wrong with you, and I know how to make you feel better. And that's just an incredible feeling to be able to do that for somebody. And then the other thing... Um, you know, we see, like I said, I just did a NutriQ with somebody who, when you look at them, you'd think they're really healthy looking. They're active, they're vibrant, they're, they have no outward appearances of any health issues, and yet the NutriQ is a mess. I mean, blood sugar was mm-hmm. off the charts, fatty acid was off the charts, the immune system was sky high. It was a horrible NutriQ. But what I know is if we were to work with them and they actually did most of what we say, nobody does everything, not even myself, if they do most of it, in just 30 days, they could retake that NutriQ and it will look completely different. And the beauty of this is it's not some number on a blood test. The NutriQ is specifically about how you feel. Exactly. 
It, it, it's just, it, it's incredibly <laughs> powerful, and you see this a lot. We get to see it, and that's why I want to do this show. I want to, and at some point, this show may become more video, and I want to be able to show charts and, and show results, and, and you can see the visuals that you and I get to see when we're working with somebody, but I am just still to this day, I've been using the NutriQ for six years or whatever now, I'm still blown away by how much we can make somebody feel better. I agree. And it's just, like you said, it's how they're feeling. It's the symptoms that they're feeling. We're not trying to dive too far into anything. It's just that we know from experience that if you work on the foundations, as simple as it sounds, that things start to shift for the better. And those symptoms tend to disappear and you're, you know, you feel better, your weight stabilizes, you know, it's not, not that we're working on, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I want to lose weight, it's important that I lose weight. My number one, you know, focus is not going to be, okay, well, how am I going to, how are they going to lose weight? No, it's always going to be going back to the same exact thing. What are you putting in your body? Are you able to digest it? And those are the, the, that's where it all starts, you know? It, and it, it's so basic, it's almost boring, but it works over <laughs> and over and over. You know, I, I still, even though I don't really post on Facebook or traditional social media anymore, I spend most of the time in our tribes, I still get on social media every day. I learn a lot. I, I go in and look at broker groups. I look at owner-operator groups. I'm involved in many, many health groups. Probably the biggest mistake I see from new practitioners, even you know, many of them come out of the NTA, the same training we had, and I belong to those groups. The biggest mistake I see, and, and it's not because of the training, because you and I both know that they pound the foundations into your head. The answers always go back to the foundations. And yet, I see these practitioners get out and they immediately want to complicate things. They immediately want to start digging into these little niche problems somebody might have. And right off the bat, well, I had my first, I I see these stories and these posts all the time. Well, I had my first consult with them the other day, and we're really trying to tweak this thyroid issue they're having. Can somebody help me? Well, first off, if you're on social media asking for help, there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe it tells me, you're working with clients at at a level you don't even understand yet. I mean, if I'm paying you, do I really want you to be constantly going back to a group to ask for advice? It's okay once in a while, but I see people who that seems to be their whole practice. I have this client, here's what's going on, somebody help me. Well, damn it, when are you going to figure out how to do this? Again, I, there's nothing wrong with asking and getting other opinions, but when I see it become a pattern, and then I see the reason they're struggling is they jumped right into this thyroid problem after the first consult. Well, wait a minute. What's their diet like? Have you fixed digestion yet? Did you, did you focus on the foundations? And you know right away they didn't, and they struggle as practitioners because of that. You and I both, we, we talk about this, our whole system set up is this. It's why you don't hear us do a lot of complicated cases. 
many times if you just address all the foundations and you stick with them until you really get them addressed and worked on, most of the time you find out there really aren't any big problems left to deal with. I agree. That's exactly what you end up finding. Yeah. Thyroid could be up, but thyroid is number 11 on the the symptom burden graph, which is, which means that there are 10 things to address before you get to that. Right. Yeah. And, and many times if you address all 10 properly, 11 disappears. It's just gone. And we don't even know why. And I don't care if I know why. All I care about are results. Your problem went away. You don't have that symptom anymore. You feel better. You're not, you're not suffering from that same issue. Now, it doesn't work every time. We know that. That's why we also have one-on-ones. Because really, I, there are lots of clients we have helped that have never paid us a penny. The nutrient is free. The discovery calls free and we give you a 30-day plan. And if you really work that 30-day plan, many people at the end go, man, I've never felt this good in my life. Why do I need any more help? And if you're good with that, fine. I'm glad we were able to help you and, and, you know, move on with your life. It's awesome. But sometimes we'll still have those issues. There are some thyroid symptoms left. People are still stressed. They're, you know, their blood pressure still up, whatever it might be. And that's where we move into the one-on-one at that point. So tell us about the one-on-ones. So the one-on-ones are more of a deep dive into things. So usually, um, you, well, you don't, not usually, but you have to start out with a discovery call. So you start you out go. with a discovery call. And then you also, so, so from the discovery call, you have the takeaway. You have this protocol that you come away with, a plan for you to, Get started on your new health journey. Um, we give you about a month to do so, three weeks to a month, and then you would schedule the the one-on-one session. Um, so you would retake the NutriCue so we can see how great, how good you're doing. You know, if it's actually if we're seeing the the priorities kind of come down so that we know that that things are working because usually you're working on digestion and and diet, and then we also have you keep a food and mood journal. So this is a really detailed um, document. So you're writing down everything you eat, drink, any supplements, medications, your bowel movements, which is really critical and important. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I seem to, to get a lot of these food journals back and I'm not seeing the bowel movements. I'm, I don't know if they've even had one for the day. Right. And if they did, what time of the day it was, how it was, because that, that's really going to tell us a lot about what's going on with your health. So it does. it's really critical. It does. It's critical to see it. So, so that's important. So with the food and mood journal, um, it really gives us a chance to, you know, to piece a lot more together and see more details. If, you know, certain things should be eliminated, if we can kind of, sometimes it's just little tweaks we need to make there and there. Sometimes it's a complete dietary, you know, change. It's like there's no way you can be eating this and expect the results you, you right. know you want. Right. But and and you know, and sometimes someone keeps a food journal and they come back to me and say, I, "You don't even have to say it. I already know." So <laughs> it's an eye right, <laughs> right. And I love that. I love when people figure this stuff out on their own. Same. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And that ultimately that's, that's what we hope because we give them the tools, you know, to kind of make these baby steps to better their health. And by the end of it, I hope that they can come away feeling confident enough to make these changes in the future on their own. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, we do have people that come back and say, I did great. I lost all this weight. I felt amazing. Got all these medications. And then the holidays came around and I just went right back to my old habits. Yeah. So, you know, and they, they want a little, you know, a little help getting back on track, but ultimately they already know what to do. So I agree. I, I love to see when they have their aha moments and they're able to make the change on their own. So I want to get to our, our case this week because it's a good one, but I, I also want to continue to set up kind of the background and our process and how it all works. And um, I think from the way you've explained it today, the one thing I want to point out to people, if you know, I've talked about blood work and, and blood work can be really valuable. When you get some of these tough cases, you almost have to have it. Um, you know, you need to understand it. But one of the problems with all the blood work is if you're part of the natural health world, the holistic health world, functional, you also know that there's still a lot of disagreement about a lot of different topics between a lot of different practitioners. You know, lately I've been seeing this theme um, that we shouldn't be supplementing vitamin D. And I've read some of the reasons it can deplete magnesium and some other things. And and honestly, I just have to say, uh, you're not going to convince me yet. Um, I've seen way too many good results from supplementing vitamin D. Myself, other people, I, I get it. There's a disagreement, but I, I don't know who's right yet. There, you'll see many, many times disagreement on what lab value should be. Most of us agree that the traditional lab values are off on most things, but I know lots of practitioners still argue, no, your TSH should be this. No, it should be this. No, this is optimal. No, you've got to do this and look at that. And we still disagree on a lot of these things. And it's one of the reasons we don't deal in a lot of numbers. I'm not saying it's wrong and it can be powerful, but if you listen to what you just described our whole process from start to finish, the NutriQ, the discovery call, our protocols, our one-on-ones, our primary driver, the markers we are mostly looking at are not about numbers and lab work and blood tests. It's all about how you feel. Well, to me, you can't argue that. I, what do you mean I, I, I feel good, but it's not right? No, I feel good. You, you can't tell me I don't feel good. You might tell me that my vitamin D level is too high or you think it's too high or I'm supplementing too much or whatever, but you really can't argue with me about how I feel. I agree. And when it comes to, we don't know a lot of this stuff. We, we admit that all the time. We are constantly going to be learning new stuff. In fact, we have to relearn is part of the problem because most of what we thought we knew about health has turned out to be really, really wrong. Like, boy, did we get a lot of this stuff wrong. So it's not just that we have to learn. We have to get rid of old beliefs that were wrong and try to adopt new beliefs. And are they going to be right some of them will be, some of them won't, but I, I like the practical approach of let's come back to results. 
Do you feel better? Are you thinking more clearly? Did this symptom go away? Those to me seem far better indicators than a bunch of numbers. Absolutely. So that's what you'll find in our process. We are working to make you feel better. We want you to feel better when you wake up. We want you to feel better at the end of the day. We want you to feel better after you eat lunch. We just want you to feel better. You know, when it comes to mental health, isn't the goal to just be happier more often? I would think so. (laughs) Isn't it just that simple? I mean, all these things, depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever, whatever these things might be, they're, they're not happy. I, that's the one thing we can say. You don't feel good when you are experiencing anxiety. I, I tend to judge almost everything I do health-wise now. How do I feel physically and mentally? How are my moods? How does my physical body feel? And if, if I don't have pains and I have lots of energy and I'm moving well and I'm active, that's a good sign. If my moods are good, I feel calm and positive and optimistic. Those are all good signs to me. And I have a hard time believing if all of that's feeling really good that there could be much going wrong. Definitely. All right. That is really the most important thing, that you're feeling good. I, I think so. And I, I think that's simple. I think it cuts through a lot of the confusion. It's, it's the, This is our goal. We just want you to feel better. And you know what? If you feel better than you did yesterday, but maybe you don't feel perfect, well, that's okay. That's We're heading in the right direction. Let's just keep doing that. The more days we stack up that you feel better, um, the more often you're going to feel better. So we do the things that we get those kind of results from. We eat in a way that makes us feel better physically and mentally. And if we keep doing that, then I think we can, you know, drop a lot of the confusion. We don't need to get deep into the weeds on a lot of this stuff. And it's why I think a lot of the books that I, I tend to get drawn back to uh, tend to be some of the books that didn't get super deep into the science. Now, I, there are times when I love reading those books that, you know, get really, really deep into the science, but many times, and usually as a recommendation, I'd rather recommend something. Like I said, I don't know why I avoided Jason Fung's books for so long. Once I read them, the light bulb went off. He's one of the best writers I've seen with this stuff. He makes it really easy to understand. Great. All right. So, so should let, we get into the case study? Let's let's talk about the case. What uh, give us the rundown here? What uh, what were you dealing with when you, you first started working with this client? So this is a forty nine year old man. His initial concerns that he wanted to address are diabetes, weight, and pain control. And after reviewing his information, I had some findings. So um, the first are the things that I found with his food. He eats fast food. He drinks two to three Red Bulls a day. Um, Six or more diet sodas a day. Um, Those were the main reveals. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Because there was a time where I may not have reacted to what you just said the way I react now. Um, 
to me, I, I have this vision of somebody pouring poison down their throat all day long. That, that's how I react to that now. Two or three Red Bulls a day and six diet sodas. Wow. Um, that's a lot. It that's is a lot. a lot of unnecessary stuff. Stuff. We, I, what do we even call it? It's not food. There's nothing in there that resembles food. The sweeteners they use in diet drinks of any kind are, they're neurotoxins. I, I can't even believe we allow them in our food supply. And yet they've become so common for people to consume. Um, you would think that you could make a huge improvement if we just eliminated those two things. I know. Luckily, I don't come across this very often because, they, you know, these people are typically listening to you and they don't, we don't see that. I don't typically see this, but this is excessive. This is overboard. Big time. I mean, I'm even concerned when someone's drinking any bit of Red Bull or Diet Soda. Correct. Like two to three right. a day plus, Six. you know, this is excessive. Yeah. Yeah, they, about and the only topic. thing we might be able to say on the positive note, I always try to find some positive things. I would think that they're probably well hydrated. Although some of those sweeteners and other <laughs> chemicals in there tend to dehydrate you, right? Yeah, so that may not even work. Especially if they have caffeine in them, that's right. definitely a diuretic. And I would yeah. assume that these sodas are most likely the ones that have caffeine. We know Red Bull. I'm loaded with it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so I'll move on because I just want to go over all the things that he did provide us with. So uh, aside from that, I looked through his NutriQ, and I have to tell you, I was a little surprised that the digestion wasn't as, you know, off the charts as I was expecting. So um, upper GI was in low priority. The liver and gallbladder was a medium priority. Small intestine and large intestine, all of those were in the medium priority. But the upper GI was a low priority. So that always, you know, it, it, it's, it's not horrible. It could use some, you know, some support. But overall, I was, I was pretty happy to see that. Good. Um, now, as I go along, I'll reveal something that, as to why those may have shown up in a low priority when, Indeed, they, they probably should be screaming out at us. Um, so, the NutriQ sugar handling is in the high, high, high priority. Um, and so, so typically, when I scan the the NutriQ, my, my my eyes initially go to sugar handling because that's for that is an indicator of what they're eating. So, I, my first thought is, okay, what are they putting in their body? And then my second thought is, are they dig- are they able to digest it? So sugar handling is very high, meaning I know right away that they're not they're not eating the healthiest diet. They're getting a lot of sugar in there, which typically means that you know, I mean, we already know what it means. So, um, so that was super high. And then I kind of just stop there and then read on because. You don't want to jump, jump too deep into the NutriQ because, like I said before, you have to address the foundation first. So I'm going to stop there for now and then talk about medications and supplements. Good. So medications include metformin, Trulicity, 
Um, you might have to help me pronounce this um, blood pressure medication. Lozartan? Is that how you pronounce Lo- that one? Lozartan, yeah. Lozartan. I've heard some people pr- then, pronounce it Lozartan. It's, you know, here, Lozartan. I'm going to jump in here. Believe it or not, one of the biggest issues they have in pharmaceutical companies today is trying to come up with names for all the new drugs they create. There's actually a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. Doctors get confused because they start to come up with too many names that sound too similar, and doctors actually mix drugs up. I have to be very careful sometimes. I think I know a drug, and then I'm confusing it with another drug because the names are close. And the names are always hard to pronounce, always. So, yeah, always. always hard to pronounce. I look at them and go, oh, my God. What? Because it's not a word. It's, it's, they're just making stuff up uh, because they have to because there's so many damn drugs. So, uh, Lizartan, I think, is probably the most common pronunciation I've heard. And then there's another one that's, um, um, it's Sinofibrate. Yeah, that's good Wait. enough. I don't know that one either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it's to help. Um, I guess it's for uh, like cholesterol or whatnot. Um, and then one of the things that really jumped out at me was the um, omeprazole or however you pronounce that one, the acid reflux. That's a PPI. And yeah. That's a PPI. So when I saw that, it makes perfect sense why the upper GI is and the nutri was um, not showing that, you know, that it was a big issue is because you're masking all the symptoms of the issue. That's a really good so point. You're yep. not feeling it. You know, so you're not feeling a lot of these symptoms because you're taking something for, by the way, he's been on it for 10 years. So he probably hasn't had a symptom of acid reflux or, that bloating, like all of that stuff that's going on um, that we would really associate with, um, you know, the upper GI having like a dysregulation. So I thought that was really interesting. And then also two Advil a day. So we can, um, we can talk about each one of these, but for the most part, you know, like Kevin said over and over, the medications, they, you know, they, they tend to, they really address the symptom as opposed to the actual problem. So when I see that someone's been on three medications for 10 years, I'm wondering, you know, is, is, is the medication even working? <laughs> right. Is the doctor yeah. reviewing the medication on a regular basis with this person? Are they talking about the potential side effects of these medications? Are some of these medications being prescribed in order to address a previous medication that they're on? So uh, there's a ton of questions that come up when I see a list like this. Yeah, and we should talk about drugs for a little while right now because it's important. And I wish it were more shocking. So give me the number because I got confused. This is a 49-year-old male. How many prescriptions? We're on one, two, three, four, five, plus two Advil a day. Which, let's throw that in. So six medications taken every 
single day. None of those have really been tested long-term. In fact, there are warnings all over PPIs that they're not supposed to be taken long-term. Why do doctors ignore yeah. that warning? Well, they just absolutely ignore it. It's everywhere, all over the documentation. It should be common knowledge. And yet, he's been on them 10 years. I've had, I, I just had a high school friend. He's been on them 30 years. And the, the rest of his health is a wreck. And he doesn't understand why. And I tried to tell him because health is all about nutrition. In order to get nutrition, you talk about this a lot. It's not just the food you eat. First off, you're eating horrible food. Second off, you have to be able to digest your food and extract the nutrients from it. So you and I talked about surgeries, weight loss surgeries. They block nutrients. That's a really, really bad idea. PPIs, anything that lowers the strength of your stomach acid. You can't absorb nutrients if you can't break down your food. So it's mind-boggling to me that, first off, we're not more shocked about a 49-year-old on six medications, and we're not shocked because it's so normal. Well, no, it's not normal. It's common. It's not normal at all. It's abnormal, but it's common, so I guess we get used to it. We have none of those drugs have ever been tested in combination with each other. We have no idea what that might do to your health. We think just because a drug may be over-the-counter, Advil, we should treat it differently. I, I don't think that anymore. That Those things can be just as bad in many ways as the stuff that's prescribed, and sometimes worse because there's no control over how much you buy or take. So you do get people that, well, two Advil used to work, but now I need three. And then pretty soon you need four. And you hit the nail on the head. None of these drugs fix any problem. If they did, you would stop taking them at some point. If they actually fixed anything, then you would stop taking them. But most of the drugs they prescribe today, you're just on forever. And, and you brought up another point. Maybe you don't even need to be on them forever. But doctors don't ever seem to go back and review any of this stuff. It's like once they give you a drug, they just forget about it and it stays there forever. And then they just keep adding more. And that's how you end up with six. But this is totally opposite of what we do. We go in and we say, you have this. This is going wrong. Why do you have that symptom? We don't want to just cover up the symptom. We do want you to feel better, but... I, you've heard me say a hundred times, even if we recommend a supplement, our first goal is going to be to get you back off of that supplement. Maybe we'll use it to fix a problem to bring a nutritional level up to where we need it to be. But we're also going to tell you how you could get that same nutrient from your diet. And then it's your job to go try and make that happen. But with drugs, it's the opposite. You've got a symptom. We give you a drug. It covers the symptoms, probably creates a couple more that eventually you'll need drugs for too. Uh, it, it's just a, I can't say it enough. It's a horrendous system. It just is. It's awful. It's a vicious cycle, unfortunately. And, you know, also, like I mentioned, how important it is that we have all of these details that we gather before this discovery call because, had I just looked at the NutriQ without having to list the medications, I would have thought his diagnosis was, was great. Good point. Um, not great, but 
Yep, and no, only you're right. a little tweak here and there. But no, he has a, a whole protocol he's going to have to, you know, to go through and to address the fact that he's on a PPI. And ultimately, we don't want people on PPIs. You know, they, you know, like you said, they're you're not going to be absorbing the nutrients that that you're eating, and and so we want to make sure that people are doing that. So it's it's a step by step process. It's completely doable. Um, I I don't think I've ever had an issue where someone completely fails to to get off of PPI. To be honest, no, um, it luckily, always works. Um, if they're committing to it, right? Yeah, it always it, it always, always works. works. If they're committed yeah. to it, it'll it'll work. So, so it's pretty. You know, it's it's nice to see that all of these pieces come together, and then we come up with a protocol. Now, the really good news about this guy is that right before we had our discovery call, and he, um, and you know, we got a chance to to break everything down and discuss it. He had already taken some steps towards a you know, better health. So I'm happy to report that before I jumped on the call with him, he had already gone carnivore for, I think, uh, 10 days. He was, he quit one, two, three, four of the medications on his own. Okay. Excellent. So this is, this is amazing. This was before the call. I was yeah. so impressed. So, so he quit four of the medications, including the PPI. Um, so, oh, and he was down to one tea a day instead awesome. of those yeah. red bulls and so. So, I just have to, you know, remind everyone that it's to see this and to like hear that he was able to do this just from having the tools, the knowledge to do it himself is so amazing. And he had already lost sixteen pounds in seven days, and was he said he had more energy and he was feeling really what really good. So yes, he still has, you know, a journey ahead of him um, and he knows it, but he is on the right track and was already seeing results in a week. So kudos to him for sure. I I love that story Um, and I have to jump in because I just had a thought while you were saying that and I experience this a lot. I know you experience a lot and and we appreciate it. I'm not downplaying this. You get thanked a lot for what you do, don't you? I, I, it's such an amazing feeling. I mean, I get it almost it every is call. The best. It, I, I love that. It's yeah. what gets me up in the morning when people sincerely say, "Thank you. You, you made a difference in my life. I feel better." I, I love that. I absolutely do. But I just thought of something. I, I still believe the part we do is pretty small, and we get to do it over and over and over. It's not like. You know, and I know I'm out researching new stuff, and you are too. And but it, it's kind of what we do, and I actually enjoy it. And I, and I love being thanked for it. But I just thought about something: the, the part we do is small, the part they do is huge. They're changing their whole life. I, this is a big deal. I, I don't downplay that. I might say, you know, after a while, it gets easy, and you know, I've been doing it for years. But making that change is incredibly difficult. There's a lot of pressure from our society not to do these kind of things. And I just had a thought. You can obviously keep thanking us. We we enjoy that. But you should also start a practice. If you're working on your own health and you're making these changes, you should thank yourself. 
you really should, and you should be sincere about it. You should wake up in the morning and before you have any other thought, try to make your first thought of the day thanking yourself for making these changes. And before you go to bed at night, do it again. Thank yourself. You're the one doing the real hard work here. I agree. Not to mention that being thankful is the quickest way to switch your body into a parasympathetic state. There you go. And yeah. We all use more of that. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. You you should be thankful. And I'm glad you're thankful that we were a part of this and you appreciate that. But don't forget to appreciate yourself. You're the one doing the real hard work here. Agreed. All right. What else we got on this so, one? This is a great case, by the way. It is a good case. I, I, I chose this one for this very reason. So, so... Basically, the next step was to come up with a protocol for this individual. And so after, you know, hearing more about his diet, um, knowing that, you know, that he was eating, I, I learned that he was eating mainly muscle, which is kind of a, a thing that I'm realizing that when people go carnivore, they're not... Uh, I'd say more times than not, they're eating mainly muscle meat. So just, you know, kind of trying to educate um, how important it is to eat nose to tail if you are going carnivore because you will be missing out on some key nutrients there. So we want to make sure that um, we're addressing that. And some of the simple things to do um, is including um, dairy. If you can include dairy in a carnivore diet, please do. Um and then another easy way to, you know, to address this is eating organ meat. Um, I know that it's not, you know, for everyone, it's not the most pal palatable thing. I'm actually going to have um, venison heart tonight for my very first time. Oh, exciting. Um, I know, I know. It's very exciting. So, um it's, you know, more, I'll talk more about that um, in the question and answers um, segment that we have today. But, um, yeah, so just, you know, kind of, you know, giving some advice in terms of how to keep the carnivore diet, um, you know, where, where you're not getting bored of eating the same thing over and over again and you're not eating just muscle meat, that you're incorporating other things. So yeah, I gave him some example meal plans. Let me, yeah, let me jump in with a couple more additions because absolutely, this is something we do need to get better at as practitioners, you know, not just saying, well, go eat carnivore, it's meat. Um, we should explain it better. You mentioned dairy because, you know, there's several different forms of dairy. The yogurt we've talked about, you know, there's great gut bacteria in there, lots of benefits. That's a carnivore food. We can eat that. Uh, we should also not forget, and this is something that just kind of, helped me when I was on the road and the quality of the meat I was eating wasn't as good as I wanted. And I started to get a little bit of shoulder pain. Seafood. Let's not forget the seafood. Um, the mackerel, mm. tuna, salmon, sardines, mussels, crab, anything that comes out of the water, eat it. That's all carnivore. And talk about a way to add a lot of variety. Scallops are very different than a steak. You know, that's, that's variety. Shrimp, I can make all kinds of great dishes with shrimp or crab or so don't forget the seafood. It's loaded with omega-3, which is hard to get everywhere else. And 
There's another food we tend to forget when we talk about carnivore. Eggs. Eggs are an awesome carnivore food. You can make omelets and, you know, sausage and bacon and cheese omelets. That's all carnivore. And eggs have many nutrients that we don't get from muscle meat. That is absolutely true. So, yes, I think when people think carnivore, all they're really thinking is steak and bacon, really. I think that's really what comes to mind. But there are tons of different things. And... You know, there that carnivore book by Saladino um, is so wonderful because he breaks it down into five different tiers of the carnivore diet and keeps it very simple and basic and also shares what his typical um, meal plan is on, you know, for, for his own diet. So I think it's really important that people, if they are going carnivore, incorporate this. That's why I typically don't recommend carnivore for a longer period of time because I personally, being a foodie, love every, like everything. So <laughs> I, I would think that after a while, I'd probably get a little bored. But you don't have to get bored if you're doing this. You know, you, there are plenty of things that most people aren't thinking about. No, so that's- definitely... That's a great point, and I think you just found our next book review. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Let's do the carnivore code after uh, after we do the diabetes code. All right, that sounds great. I'm writing it down as we speak. <laughs> good, good, and we, we let people know because I think book reviews are even better if you go read the book before we review it. And then call us and give us your, when we're reviewing it live, call us and give us what you got out of the book. I'd love to have more people jump in on these. We'll, we'll all get more out of them. I love that idea. So, so basically, um, recommendations started out with how to make carnivore more nutrient-dense, which included as well adding some fermented foods. I think, you know, Kevin, you and I both agree that adding some fermented foods in the carnivore diet is, is better than not because, you know, we're, we, we love to feed our good bacteria and keep things moving at, um, you know, a good rate bowel movement wise. Um, and of all the nutrients inside those, you know, when you take those foods, all those, um, the vitamins and minerals, all those nutrients are, Basically, they, they, they get like supercharged. They're, they're yes. so much more valuable when they're fermented than they are if you were just to pick up a carrot and eat it on its own raw. So, um, so definitely incorporating some ferments, I see as very important there as well. I agree. I, I, um, I really, you know, I've talked about the, the diet fermented carnivore. We want to put out some more material on it. We've got to get to that. But, you know, the more I worked on it, the more I thought about it, um, the more I thought even in a very meat-heavy carnivore diet, as hunter-gatherers, I have a feeling that all of the food we ate was somewhat fermented. You know, to, to the point where, um, we know that some of the tribes and cultures that ate a lot of animal products, and this absolutely freaks people out, but they ate the contents of the stomach. Mm-hmm. And those animals were, many of them were grass eaters. 
they they ate vegetation and the way they digest that is through fermentation in their own gut our ancestors knew enough to eat the contents of the stomach now that freaks us out i get it but and the other thing is without refrigeration i think almost all of the food we ate was in some stage of fermentation Hmm. That's interesting. But yeah, I, I, I think it's important no matter what diet you're on to include fermented food. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. That's why we talk about it a lot. We, I, I, when at some point today, I'm going to go out and see how much new asparagus I have today. It's crazy how fast that stuff grows now. Uh, and I may eat some of it. You know, I may throw it on the grill with some butter and lemon um, and salt and pepper, which is awesome. But I have a feeling I'm going to need to start fermenting some of this asparagus. And it's one of my favorites. And if I'm going to have all this asparagus coming up, and I know it's totally organic, I raised it myself, uh, I'm going to have some awesome fermented asparagus now. That's great. I love fermented asparagus. I know, and me fermented too. Cream, all of those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so um, I, I think I, so, I, I agree with you. You and I have talked about this. Um, fermented yeah. carnivore, I now believe of all the diets we've come across, all the diets we've recommended, all the different ways we've talked about eating, paleo, the elimination diets, there's lots of things out there, Whole30, we could go on and on and on. But I really think the the most basic, healthy human diet is going to be very, very close to fermented carnivore. Yeah. So just recommending a good nutrient-dense carnivore diet was my first recommendation for this particular case. Good. I think it's really important. Um, second on the list was addressing digestion, especially because he was on PPIs for 10 years. So that could, that you know, and every, everybody's different, but this could mean that he might need to stay on supplements like um, supplemental uh, hydrochloric acid for longer than, than some, than some yes. people would. Good point. But we have to get that going and just, you know, reiterating and encouraging that it can be done, that your body will start producing it on its own. Um, but just really tuning into the body and listening and feeling what's going on when you are eating foods, especially if they're high in protein, because he is on a carnivore diet. Um, so I recommended a, a high potency hydrochloric acid supplement as well as um, beta TCP for, um, to help support fat digestion because his liver and gallbladder was in the medium priority range. Excellent. So, yeah, so, so that, that was the digestive protocol I recommended. And then other supplements I recommended were minerals because um, he was also a medium priority for that. So the light balance is a great supplement there. And then also adding um, organ supplements, just, you know, like the desiccated liver and stuff like that. Just, you know, some people don't eat the actual organ meat, so you can supplement if you aren't going to eat the organ meat, but just know that it is important. If you're on carnivore, you have to get it somehow, so if you can't eat it, definitely supplement with it. 
I agree. And, and we, um, we should also kind of distinguish the ancestral supplements, desiccated liver, desiccated organs. I, I almost hesitate to call them supplements. It, it's almost like I know. it's almost because it's it's whole food. It's real whole food. Nothing else in there, and in a sense, we just prepared it differently. I, I can take liver and I could eat it raw. I've talked about freezing liver and eat, swallowing it like a pill raw. We've talked about hiding liver by chopping it up real small and putting it in chili, mixing it with you know, bacon and ground beef. We've talked about a lot of different ways to prepare liver to make it more palatable and easier to eat. Well, this is just another way of preparing it, honestly. It's still real whole liver. Nothing's been taken away. Nothing's been added. We cooked it a certain way. We cooked it till there was no moisture left and we could then grind it up into a powder and you can take it in a pill. But I almost hesitate to call those supplements. All of the ancestral line. Because they're all just real whole food prepared in a way that makes them easy to consume. I agree. There's no, there's no, um, you know, synthetic anything in there. Right. It is yeah, what it is. It's just the yeah. real whole food prepared in a way that makes it easy to swallow. Exactly. The hardest part about ancestral okay. is figuring out which ones to take. There's so many good ones. <laughs> there really are a lot of good ones, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, I look at it and go, well, of course I want to take brain. I want to be smarter. I want my brain to work better. Well, of course I want to take liver. I know liver's the king of all of these organ meats. But then I look at it and go, oh, adrenals. Yeah, I've been a little stressed out. I want it. So, and then I, the, every part I look at, I'm like, well, yeah, I want that part to be healthier in my diet. So the, the, that's the biggest challenge with those supplements is for whatever we should call them. Um, which one should I take? My best advice is rotate through them. I agree. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, Rotating. Good. Yeah. Yep. good. Yeah. So that's pretty much, that pretty much covers the first case. So he left there with a protocol, um, with, which included, you know, more information on his diet as well as digestive support and some other recommendations. And, I follow up all of these calls because I know 10 minutes goes quick and I don't want you wasting your time trying to write things down or memorizing anything. So I always follow up with an email so that you have all the details of the call there in front of you with links to all, um, you know, anything that, that I, that I mentioned, if it's uh, sometimes it's a case study, sometimes it's, you know, some, some research that, that maybe you want to look deeper into. Um, a lot of the times it's, um, supplements or different products that we carry in the store. So everything is there for you in an email in one spot um, after the call. So that's how those work, essentially. And then there's always that that follow-up, which, you know, for you and I, a lot of times is our favorite part, hearing the results. People say, you know, yeah. oh, my God, I've been on this PPI for 10 years and now I don't take it at all and I feel better. I mean, something that, you know, on the surface seems that simple. Okay, you were taking a, you know, a capsule, a drug every day, no big deal. Well, it is a big deal when you understand what it was doing to your health. And the fact that you don't need that anymore. 
And, you know, we, we love hearing those follow-ups, those results. Um, it's the, the best part for us. And, and it works. We're confident it works. It's, I love what we do. Uh, but I, I have one question after listening to all this. This is a really, really powerful process. The NutriQ, identifying these things, giving them the protocol, staying with them till they get the results. Um, many, many times people will finish that 30-day protocol and then they're kind of done, right? I mean, they, they call you and go, I feel good. And we may never hear from them again. They're off on their own. Yeah. It, it doesn't always lead to a one-on-one. In fact, not even half the time do we end up going on to a one-on-one. My question that I'm wondering about right now is, this is really, really powerful, and you put a lot of work into this, and we help a lot of people. Why exactly do we do these free? (laughs) (laughs) We are the only NTPs, FNTPs, who do this for free. I can guarantee (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I say that kind of tongue in cheek, and we like to be completely transparent here. Um, we do it free because it works for everybody. It, we would not continue doing this free if it didn't also work for us. And a lot of people, practitioners, look yeah. at us and go, oh my God, we don't even do the NutriQ free, much less the NutriQ a discovery call and a protocol for 30 days. You're giving away the whole store. And in a sense, we are. But we've also found that our tribe's pretty darn loyal. Um, we've provided, you know, the best supplements possible for this, the, the best, you know, foods like Ancestral, the foods we have in the store, people support us that way. They support us through the tribes. So as long as we, again, I'm all about results. Uh, you can tell me we're crazy mm-hmm. to give away that much stuff for free, but you know what? It works. It works. We're growing. We're reaching more people. We're helping more people. Our financials look good. I'm, I'm a businessman first. If, our, if this didn't work numbers-wise, I wouldn't be doing it. And I know a lot of people look at it and go, there's no way you can give away that much free. You'll never hear from some of those people again. You're right. We might not. But enough of them, we hear from them, and they support us, and they buy things from our store, and they you know, join our websites, and it works. So why would we quit something that works so well? I don't care what other people think. This system is really a win-win-win for all of us. I agree. It really is. And then if we do get a one-on-one, isn't it almost easy because you've done all this preliminary work first? So many of these practitioners I see, they're struggling. They can't make money at this. They're not getting return business. But part of the problem is, like I said earlier, they skipped the foundations. They blew right past that. They started to focus on this one particular problem. And many times you won't be able to solve it because you never addressed the foundations. And then they wonder why their clients aren't coming back to them or sending other people to them. Well, they're not because you didn't get them good results. We get our people good results because we stick to the basics and the foundations and, and it, it just works. So um, I'm very happy now that you've really taken over that whole process. Uh, it frees me up to go do other things and come up with new stuff. And uh, you're really good at this. So Thank you for all of that. And uh, thank you for agreeing to do this show. I love this one. 
I, it's, it's my pleasure, really. I truly, truly love doing this, you know, this whole process, getting to, you know, it's a treat for me. I sit there, I get all the information and I start building my little, my little sheet of information. So when I jump on the call, it's all in front of me and I actually, it's like doing a puzzle or something. I, I really enjoy it. And then the best, like we said, is getting these, these responses, these, you know, someone will check in with me and I haven't heard from them in a while and they'll tell me, you know, that their, you know, their feedback is that everything is great. You know, they're reaching their goals and, you know, it's just so nice to help people. And it's nothing, we're not trying to do anything crazy. We're just trying to have you recognize that what you're putting in your body may not be the best for you and ensuring that your body's working as it was intended to work. Your digestion, digestive system is supposed to work in a functional way so that you can break down food and absorb the nutrients. And unfortunately, with the foods that we eat, you know, the standard American diet has completely hijacked our digestive system. So it's really that simple. It's it your is. diet and digestion <laughs> and then small little tweaks here and there. So, yep. you know, we're not doctors. We're not, we're not curing anybody of anything. We're just get, giving you the tools for your body to work the way it was intended to work. That's it. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. All right. And uh, we're going to wrap this up. Great case today. We've got a plan for next week. We'll have another case to talk about next week and a book review. So we'll, we'll do both. Um, you are doing an after hours Q and a today too, right? Yes. Are you going to join me with that? I will. What time? I should know that. Um, I think we should, well, I think we should probably pretty much jump right into it if that works for <laughs> okay. you. You need, a, you need a minute. <laughs> that, give me 15, because I just realized okay, I'm, I've been on the air three hours today with no break yet. Yeah, give me give me 15, so let's call it 11.15, and um, we'll jump in, healthytribe.com. You'll be live on video, and I'll be in the chat you know, putting in my comments and answering questions. Cause I know when you're on the video, it's hard to do both. Um, but I think that format works great. So, uh, I guess I'll see you in 15 minutes. All right. Sounds good. Fantastic. All right. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, please join us for after hours Q and a live on healthytribe.com. Again, Lauren will be live on video. Um, taking your questions, you just type them in. I'll jump in with uh, some of my comments and answers as well. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.